Romans chapter 7, why don't you turn to Romans chapter 7, uh, I'm going to read from the message version, and we're going to read from verses 14 to 24, 10 whole verses, it's going to be fantastic, uh, we'll chuck it up on the screen for you, kablam, that didn't work there, it did, it did. I am magic, um, so feel free to read along, uh, if you don't want to read along, just listen to my dulcet tones, pretend that I am Barry Manilow, White, just pretend that I'm Barry, uh, very cool, it goes like this. <laughs> uh, I know that all of God com- God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. This is Paul writing. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prisons. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, I thank you for the, for the honor and the privilege it is to get to gather together on a Sunday morning, God. That, that we get to gather together and, and to, to experience as, as a community, as a family, what it is you're doing in Wellington, God. I thank you for us. I thank you for everyone in this room, God. For, for the decision, for the sacrifice that they made to be here today, God. And, and as we're here, as we're choosing to, to be together and to listen to what it is you're saying, God, I, I pray that you would stir in our hearts. God, that you would point us towards the, the us that you know that we should be, the us that you know that we could be. God, I pray that we would leave here differently than when we came in. Thank you that you love us so much, that your grace abounds. In Jesus' name, amen. So you've probably, you've probably heard the scripture before, right? It's, it's not like one of those, it's not in Ezra. It's not like a, a hidden, like, oh, that's a book of the Bible. I thought it was just a funny name that some people call their kids, right? It's, it's, it's uh, sorry if you called your kid Ezra. Um, but it, it's a pretty common scripture, right? And, and, and for me, it's one of the most interesting bits of the letters that Paul writes, because a lot of the letters that Paul writes are really instructional, right? They're, they're really uh, motivational. They're, they're, they're telling people what to do and where to go and how to behave. But, but this kind of feels like we've opened Paul's journal, right? Like, like where we get a, a glance into Paul's inner life, this, this hero of the faith, this man who's, who's helped to establish modern Christianity as it is. And, and here we get to find out that maybe he's just like us. That Paul struggles with stuff just like us. And so what I'd like to ask you to do this morning is, as we look at Paul's letter, as Paul opens up to us, is, is I want you to listen along and, and, and engage. But also, if you've got pen and paper, I just want you to grab them. Right? And what I'd really like to do today is, is I, I, want, I want us to, to write down a few things as we go. 
right? Take notes if you want to. I find it helps me. But at, at some stage today, I, I've, I've got a thing that I want us to do. We're just going to write down a few things. I want it to be super practical. So I just want you to get your pen and paper ready so that when that comes, you're not like, where did I put my pen and paper? I thought it was in your handbag. It's not in my handbag. I don't have a handbag. I'm a man, right? I'm a man bag. But just get your pen and paper ready. Is that okay? Cool. Amanda's got it. Everyone else can use Amanda's pen and paper. Uh, today, if you're taking notes, which hopefully you are because I just asked you to, <laughs> is called uh, The Me That I Want To Be, right? Because what I found in my life to be, to be true is, unfortunately, there's a difference between the me that I know that I should be, the me that I, I know that I could be, and the me that I so often end up being. Right? See, see, here's the thing. Paul says in, in Romans, in life, I can feel like there are different versions of myself, right? To, to paraphrase him. Not like parallel universes, right? Not like there's an evil version of Jono who's got like a, a goatee and an, an eye patch. That's a community reference. Great show. Right? But, but, but like there's a me that I know that I could be, right? The, the best version of me. The, the, the me that, that I get glances at. The me that I aspire to be. And, and sometimes I feel like I'm letting down that Jono. Right, like there's a version of me that, that's better than where I currently am, and, and I want to be that, Jono, but, but sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm falling short. Like there are two versions of me. Like there's a, a free me and, and a bound me. Right, and, and, and bound me is, is afraid. Right, bound me is, is addicted to approval. Bound me doesn't speak out when he should. Bound me internalizes pain and, and problems rather than talking about them. Bound me says yes for the wrong reasons and, and no out of fear or out of spite. But, but free me is bold. Right, free, free me is, is wise but ferocious. Free me is open and honest. Free me is fully present in the moment but aware of the future. Free me says yes to bringing more good into the world but no so that my intentions can be focused. See, but the problem is that sometimes for me the distance between the free me and, and, and the bound me feels so far. And, and, and if I'm honest, I identify with Paul, and I feel like I'm closer to the bound me than I am to the free me. I feel like I'm closer to the, the, the lesser version of myself than to the better version. Right? And, and sometimes I have this moment where, where, I, where I, I become the free me just for a moment. I don't know if you have this happen. You, you do something, and you're like, wow, that's what I really wanted to do. I took a chance. I spoke out when I wanted to, to speak out. I, I helped that person. I was noble when I felt to be noble. I was bold when I felt to be bold. I finally, for the first time in what felt like my life, held my tongue when I was going to say something stupid. And then something happens, and I come crashing back down to the bound me, and I'm like, all right, great. We're back here again. Fantastic. Right, see, t this morning I want to talk to us about how, how do we move towards the, the free us, because in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then act another, doing things I absolutely despise. He goes on to say, I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. See, Paul is saying that there is a Paul he imagines and a Paul that he is. And he keeps on getting stuck between the two. Because that's the human experience. There is a us that we see, a, a vision of us that God gives us. And then there's the us that we feel like we are. So what I'd like to do this morning is look at some tools, some ideas that maybe we could implement to allow us to move closer to the me that I want to be. 
See, because what I dread is, is looking back on my life, right? Looking back when, when I'm old and on my deathbed and, and, and realizing that there were opportunities to make the world better and I missed them that I had talent that was untapped, that I had relationships that lacked love, that chances that I missed or situations that I, I didn't learn from. Have you ever looked back at high school, right? Being in this building is interesting for me because I went to high school here. And so all the time I'm walking around and I'm just like, oh, I remember that. Wow, I remember that, right? Oh, I remember when, when I was first in an assembly in, in, in this room and we were old enough to be seniors, so we got to sit up on the balcony, right? And I was sitting too close to the side and I fully thought I was going to fall off. Right? I was like, whoa, this is what vertigo is. Prue Kelly, who was our principal, was standing here. She was talking about some R's. I can't remember what the R's were, but I knew that they began with R. Responsibility was probably one, respect. Other R's, right? And I remember sitting up there. Have you ever looked back on yourself in high school? Have you ever played that game where you look back on yourself in high school and you think, man, I wish that I could go back as I am now? Right? I wish that, that me could go back to, to, to high school then and either be that person or just give that person a talking to. Who's seen the movie uh, 17 again? Anyone seen that? Yeah, it's a bit of an unseen movie. All right, I'll tell you about it. Uh, it stars Zac Efron and Chandler from Friends, who has a real name, but who knows it. Um, it's all right, he's not going to listen to this. Imagine that, Matthew Perry, that's his name, eh? Matthew Perry's listening to Equipers Church SoundCloud, and he's like, oh, man don't even know my name. We do, Matthew Perry. We do. We love you. Right? But, but it's an interesting movie where uh, Matthew Perry goes back to, to being him again, 17 again. And I don't know why I like the movie, right? It's not really well put together. Again, Matthew Perry, I apologize. It's not great, like, it's not expertly put together. It doesn't have a great soundtrack. It's not that novel an idea. But there's something just really fun about watching him just become 17 again. He doesn't go back in time, but he, he becomes 17 again. <laughs> as the title would suggest, right? But I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to look back as 36-year-old Jono at 26-year-old Jono and be like, man, you really sucked. Man, there were some things that you did that were, that were just stupid. I wish I could go back and, 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 and teach you some things. I don't want to be 46-year-old Jono and look back at 36-year-old Jono and be like, man, again, you just missed the mark. I don't want to be 56, and I don't want to be 66, I don't want to be 76, I don't want to be 86. See, my, my prayer today is that we can learn something from Paul, that we can pick up some tools that mean in 10 years' time we can look back at today, and, and things will go wrong, things will go up and things will go down, but we can say, overall, I wouldn't change a thing. The way that I reacted, what I learned, man, I didn't miss those opportunities, I, I moved towards being the me that I know I needed to be, the me that God was calling me to be. You know, Hank Fortner says that, that wise men regret things in the future. They plan for things and say, if I don't do this, I will regret it. Maybe this morning, just for the next 20 minutes, we could regret in the future. Man, if I don't do this, maybe I'll regret it. Maybe I'll take a chance. Maybe for once, rather than looking back or being so engaged in right now, I'll just plan a little bit ahead. I'll think about who I should be, who I could be. So that's one reason, right? One reason I think that, that we need to do today is to try and become the, the us that we want to be so we don't look back and regret. But, but Paul is also driven by another factor. Because here's the thing, right? Paul was raised in a, in a Hebrew context, which would mean that he would understand all of the Hebrew scripture as designed around us being a part of what we know as the good society. So you see, how it worked is that all of the laws were, were directed at all of the Hebrew people, all of the Israelite people, the Jewish people being part of the good society. 
So laws like don't covet or, or don't eat this food or, or treat indentured servants in this way, they were to preserve the good of the society as a whole, the good of the nation, the, the good of Israel. The way that this was described is that a person was either observant or non-observant. Right? If they were observant, they followed the rules. They, they did what the rules said. If they were non-observant, they didn't care. They didn't follow the rules. They said, I don't, I don't care about the good society. I'm going my own way. But here's the interesting thing. Most of these, these rules that they were observing, they weren't for them personally. Right? It, it wasn't going to really change your life a whole lot if you did or didn't eat animals or a cloven hoof. Right? It wasn't really going to change your life if you, if you did or didn't follow some of these really obscure rules. But the rules were there as an attempt to shape society as a whole to say, you know, it might not be helpful for you to do this, but, but if we as a whole do it, it will help us. See, and so, so Paul is, is understanding this need to be the, the him that God is calling him to be, not just for his benefit but because he views all of these laws, these rules, these callings as something that helps us shape a good society. He's not just worried about it for him, but he's saying, man, I need to become who God is calling me to be for the people around me. I need to become who God is calling me to be for my, my friends and, and my family. See, I think this is what Jesus was alluding to in John chapter 17, verse 16, when he said, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. See, he wasn't just just talking of, of, of heaven. He wasn't just talking of belonging to the kingdom, but he was saying that his disciples, because they were following him, they were building a different society, a different world on earth. They, they weren't involved in the culture that is broken. They weren't involved in a culture where people don't have homes to sleep in. They weren't involved in a culture where those who, who should care abuse where those who should advocate turn a blind eye, where apathy defeats empathy. He was saying we're not a part of that culture. We've set up our own. We're a part of the kingdom, and the kingdom is different. The kingdom is a good society. He was saying that the disciples, and by extension us, are not a part of the culture that has formed the bound us. We're not a part of the culture that has made us bound, that has made us less, that, that takes us down to the lowest common denominator. Jesus was constantly pulling his disciples into being the best versions of themselves. And the amazing thing is, is that it's not just for them. It's not just for us. It's not just so that we can lie on our deathbeds and look back at our life and be happy about what we've done. But it's because the world needs us to be observant. The world needs us to be pushing towards our better selves for our world. Some of these things that we do, some of the things that we're called to be, some of the ways that we're called to change won't necessarily help us. Maybe they'll even hinder us. Maybe being honest at work will mean that you're set back. Maybe putting others before yourself will mean that you won't push as far ahead. You won't accumulate as much. Maybe being generous means your house won't be as big. But we're forming a good society by being observant. We're helping Others. See, being the best us isn't just for us. It's for our family and our friends too. And this is why Paul was so upset that he couldn't be the him that he wanted to be on his own. See, just, just one other tiny little thing before we get super practical is, is I'm going to talk about behaviors. Right? I'm going to talk about behaviors, but, but some of you need prayer, right? And that's 100% okay. We, we, we had a, a series a, a while ago where one of the taglines was, you can't uh, disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh, right? Some of you have just got stuff going on that, that's not of your control and you just need some prayer. 
right? That's where we start. And I want to tell you that's 100% fine. After the service, we're going to have a space and we can pray with you if that's what you would like. But, but here's the thing, right? It's a little bit like physiotherapy. Imagine your, your bone is broken, right? The first thing that needs to happen is it needs to be reset. It needs to be in the right place so that it can heal properly. Think of that as prayer, right? We can't reset our bones on our own. We need prayer. We need God to come in and, and fix what needs fixing. And God can do the whole caboodle, definitely, right? But at the very least, we need God to come in and, and set what is broken. But then once you've, you've had your bone set, often you need physiotherapy to build up the muscles around it, right? As the bone has been broken, they've atrophied, they've died off, they're, they're not as strong as they used to be. That's what I'm going to talk about, the behaviors, the things that once God has freed us from whatever we're oppressed by or bound by, sometimes God will free us completely, right? And sometimes God will free us and walk with us as we walk into freedom and will develop that muscle again. So this morning, if you need to be freed from something, we're going to deal with that after. We're going to deal with that later. But I need you to listen and take down notes because you might get free and then need to learn to walk. And, and I'm praying that these ideas will help you to do that. Is it all right? Very cool. Let's get practical. I'm not a psychologist, but I have some friends who are. <laughs> it's our go-to joke at Equipus Church Wellington because we've always got like at least two or three. Two at the moment, Dougal's praying, uh, sitting on the front row, right? Um, and, and so I ran this past Emma, so if anything of it is wrong, um, no, I'm just joking. I take full responsibility. I feel that this is the word of God. Let's do it, right? So, so here's what I want you to do. I'd like you to stop for a moment and think about a thing in your life that you'd like to change, right? An element of your life that you'd like to change, a thing about you that you'd like to change. And often I find for me that these things are, are split into one of two different kind of areas, it's either a thing that I want to stop doing, but, but it, it's, it's usually a thing that I want to stop doing, but it's motivated by a person that I need to stop being, right? A thing that I want to stop doing, but that's often motivated by a person that I need to stop being. For example, for me, right, a thing that I want to stop doing is I really want to stop running my body into the ground, right? I really enjoy being busy. I enjoy having too much on, I enjoy overcommitting because I take value from it, right? If I'm busy, if I'm doing a lot, I think, man, I must be amazing because look at how many things I'm doing. This must mean that I'm really impressive. People must be like, wow, look at Jono, he's writing sermons on a Saturday. No one knows, Jono, stop being stupid, right? Write sermons on a Saturday because God calls you to, not because you like overcommitting. So, so one thing I'd like to stop doing is, is stop overcommitting and running my body into the ground, right? I get sick, like really sick, probably every two to four months, and it's not just like a seasonal kind of flu. I get sick because I, I do too much, and, and I don't rest enough, um, and then when I should be resting, I play video games. Um, great choice, Jono, right? Um, and, and, and so then I get sick, and, and it's a predictable thing. I can feel it coming, and, and I don't stop and take care of myself, and I start to run myself into the ground. So I want to stop getting sick from, from poor personal care, right? That's the thing that I want to stop doing. But the that the me that I need to stop being, the person I need to stop being, is someone who uses busyness to feel validated, right? It's someone who gets an emotional high off doing stuff, who's driven by fear and anxiety that if I say no or if I slow down, people will realize just how foolish it was to ask me to be involved in the first place, right? The thing that I need to stop doing is running myself into the ground. The person I need to stop being is someone who takes validation, value from doing too much, so here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take your pen and your paper, your, your iPhone, your, your tablet and chisel, whatever you're using to take notes. All right, carve it into the ground. It's wood. They won't even know it was you unless you sign your name. Don't carve it into the ground, please. All right, but, but take that 
And I'm just going to give us a minute. And what I'd like you to do is write down one thing in your life that you'd like to stop doing, right? Maybe you get mad at work. Maybe you get mad at your kids. Maybe you have a, a short fuse. Maybe you don't back yourself, right? You have great ideas, but you feel like you never get to share them. Or, or maybe you want to learn to think things through. Maybe in life, you're always cleaning up after your mouth, right? Whatever it is, just take a minute and write it down. And if you've got time, when you've written that thing down, I want you to write down a few ideas about the, the person that you think you need to stop being to stop doing that thing, right? What's that driven by? What's that motivated by? Why do you do that? So, all right, so take a minute. Awesome, awesome. Finish up there. Uh, you can come back to after the service, definitely. Right, uh, here's what I found when I did this personally. Right, all of the things that I want to change in my life, one of the reasons that I haven't been able to just drop them, right, that I haven't been able to just change them, is, is it didn't necessarily feel like I chose them. Right, the things in my life that I don't like about myself, it doesn't feel like I consciously, deliberately choose to do them. It sometimes feels like they just kind of pop up, right, like they're weeds, like, I turn around, and I, I look, and I'm like, oh, where did, where did that come from? Right? Because they're, they're, they're kind of like an, an involuntary muscle. So the question is, just like Paul describes in Romans, something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. How did they go wrong deep within us? Because the reality is, is, is most of these things are habits. They're habits that we hate in our life, and, and, and they're still just habits. Right, uh, Alistair or, or Wakash, they could play one of these, any of these songs pretty much and have a conversation with you, right? Especially, especially Wakash because he does it all the time. I've, I've done it with him. Alistair can just play anything because he is a musical genius who went to jazz school, right? But, but, but Wakash has got this uncanny ability to just be like having a conversation with you and just still playing the keys, just like, yeah, no, 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 no. And I'm like, where's that music? Oh, it's you, right? And the reason that he can do that is because he's played all of these songs so often his fingers learn how to do the playing, right? So he can be talking to you, his mind can be engaging with you, but his muscle memory is, is, is playing the songs, right? In life, this often happens to us with, with our behaviors that we don't like, right? We've, we've learned them to a degree that, that, that we're ruined by our muscle memory, right? Maybe you don't want to get angry, and yet something happens and your muscle memory kicks in, and all of a sudden, you're behaving like an angry person, Maybe you don't want to be anxious, but, but something happens and your muscle memory kicks in and all of a sudden you're be behaving like an anxious person. And, and willpower will not change those involuntary muscles, those, those habits, that muscle memory. If you decide just to change who you are as a person overnight, it, it probably won't work. But we do that though, right? And we get mad at ourselves and we call ourselves names. Right, like from tomorrow, I'm gonna be this type of person. And, and you're over here, and at the moment, you're bound you. You're bound, Jono. And you describe free Jono. You're like, from Monday, I'm going to behave exclusively as this Jono. This is who I'm going to be. And then Monday, you go about your day, you burn your toast, you say some expletives, and then you're like, Jono, what have you done? Right? And, and then the interesting thing kicks in. Then we start the self-talk. Anyone do some self-talk? Right? We talk to ourselves in disgusting ways. I don't know about you. I talk to myself in ways that I would never talk to anyone else. Sometimes I talk to myself in ways that if I was walking down the street and I heard someone talking to someone else like that, I would intervene, right? Like to that degree, like I'd be like, excuse me, I don't think that's an appropriate thing to say to another human being. I don't know either of you, but I don't think you should be doing that. But sometimes I say that to myself because I'm expecting myself to do the impossible. I'm expecting me to change overnight through solely my willpower 
through solely my force of will. Right, let, let me give you an example of, of what it's like to try and change what you're doing in, in a moment on your own, right? to try and change one of those involuntary behaviors. An example in my life would be I get, um, I get indigestion or, or heartburn, right? And uh, surprise, surprise, I, I don't get it from eating spicy foods or, or those kind of more classic causes. I get heartburn when uh, I'm running too hot, right? When I'm doing too much, when I refuse to slow down and just keep on going. One of the things that I get when I start to crash is I get heartburn. I start breaking out those little quickies and I pop them like they're going out of fashion. I'm like, yeah, quickies, 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 right? But how ridiculous would it be if, if there I am, I've got indigestion, right? My stomach's giggling away, I'm feeling like it's like hot water up to here. I'm like, ah, oh, this is uncomfortable. And so I'm like, Jono, you just need to cut it out, right? So I'm like, oh, oh. hey, stomach, stop. Stop it. Hey, no more indigestion. And I'm just like, stop it. Stop it now. Stop. Ah, didn't work, right? And yet that's so often us, right? You've got this behavior in your life. You've got this thing that you automatically do. You've got this automatic negative thought that might occur, and you're just like, stop it, stop it, stop it. And it doesn't work. And then you're like, why didn't it work? It must be because I'm useless. It must be because I'm good for nothing. It must be that everyone else can stop these things, and here I am, which is not as good. Jono, why do you try? Right, and we get stuck in this, this negative pattern, right? See, I, I don't like it when I get really busy, and as a result, my body falls apart from too little sleep and exercise and, and too much coffee. So the thing that I want to stop could appear to be heartburn, but, but it's ridiculous to yell at my stomach. It's ridiculous to try and force my body to change. That's not going to change my heartburn, right? It's not going to change my heartburn if I read a book on how to manage heartburn. Not going to help. Right, if I go and understand the scientific principles of what happens when I get heartburn, that's not going to help. I have to realize that I need to stop being a person who creates and facilitates opportunities for my body to crash because I haven't taken time or listened to it because I really love being busy for the wrong reasons. Right, so here's what we can do. In order to change those, those things that we don't want in our life and evidently haven't been able to eliminate just through a simple choice because they're still there, we need to adjust our voluntary muscles. To change what we can't influence, we need to change what we can. Right, so, so what I want to do is I want to share with you two things that I think that we can do and two things that's for all up that I think that we need to help us along the way. The first thing that I think that we need to do is we need to have faith, which can sound weird, right? You're like, have faith. How does, how does that help me, right? How does having faith change the tangible, physical me here and now, right? Faith is an airy, fairy thing that I do on a Sunday morning. It makes me feel tingly, and then I put it on the shelf again, and I go about the rest of my life because how does it help me? Well, see, here's the thing. We have an unfair advantage, right? Everyone needs to change things about themselves. So us here, we have an unfair advantage. We do this with Jesus, and like I said earlier, sometimes Jesus helps us kick things right away, right? And sometimes he helps us as we walk through them, as we process through them. But either way, he helps us. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Right? We, we are a new people, and we need to have faith that we are new. We need to believe that we can change, that the power of belief, of believing that you can and will change is amazing. 
Right? One, one of the main ways that anyone actually gets anywhere in life is by first of all deciding, this is where I'm going to go. There's not many people out there who have stumbled into success. There's not many people out there who have stumbled into fitness. There's not many people out there who have stumbled into relational health, right? Anyone who's gotten somewhere that you want to be at some stage has had to choose to get there, right? And if they haven't had to choose to get there, at some stage in their life, they'll have to choose to stay there. If they've had the fortune to to stumble into a high metabolism, at some stage in their life, their metabolism is going to slow down and the belly's going to start to form and they're going to have to realize, I have to choose to stay here. Alistair's laughing. He's like, that's me. <laughs> no, Alistair, you're trim. You've got a fine figure. Go you. Right? But, but, but at some stage in our life, we have to make a decision. We have to choose. And, and that involves two things. It involves faith in God, right? Faith in God moves mountain. Faith in God does more than we can understand. Faith in God is the secret source, right? It's the added ingredient that we don't know what it does or what it's going to do, but it could solve the whole problem in a moment, right? Add a pinch of faith, it changes everything. But the other thing that we get to do when we have faith, when we pray, is we visualize. We see ourselves as we want to be, and that changes our behavior, right? I don't understand the science behind it. I'm not a psychologist. But as we start to pray into who we want to be, we will change, it makes those pathways easier. It makes those decisions easier. One of the things that I do when I want to change something in my life is I just start speaking about myself as someone who already does that. I don't know if it works for other people, but it works for me, right? I start going to the gym, and so all of a sudden, Jono is someone who enjoys going to the gym. Before it's true, I get to the, go to the gym today. This gets to happen today. It's a way of me tricking myself, and prayer is that to an nth degree. You're not tricking yourself. You're reforming who it is that you actually are. You're changing the core principles of who you are as a person. Right, so the first thing that we need is faith. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. In your life, things will change as you pray into them, as you push towards them. Look for them. See what God is doing in your life. Don't stumble over things as they happen. Don't go, oh, well, I was less angry that week. I must have had a good week. Realize that God was with you in that week, that he was laboring with you, that he was alongside you. Thank him for what he did and go into the next week praying and declaring over it. I'm going to be that person I was in this, that week, this week, because God is with me and he's bigger than my personality. Right, see, the first thing we need to do is to have faith. The second thing that we need to do is take small steps. Right, maybe God will change it overnight, but you're not going to. So you can't take massive steps because you have to take small steps. God might jump you from A to Z, fantastic, right? I believe that he can and will, but maybe the way he's going to move you from A to Z is by walking through the alphabet because he wants you to learn something along the way. Right, so as you're moving, take small steps. You might not change overnight, but that's okay. It says in Zechariah verses four, sorry, chapter four, verse ten, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Right, see, this is a prophecy given when Zerubbabel, which if you're here and you're expecting, uh, that's a name. Zerubbabel. This is my baby, Zerubbabel. Right, uh, Zerubbabel, who is the governor of Judah 
was attempting to rebuild the temple in Judah, right? And he's attempting to rebuild the temple in Judah while all of the people thought that their temple could never be rebuilt, that their city could never be replenished. In fact, they hated the foundation that had been laid by Zerubbabel because it seemed so small. They were like, this is stupid. This is insignificant. This is never going to make any sort of difference. Why are you even trying Zerubbabel? We're never going to have a temple again. We're never going to attempt to be these people again. Just stop, right? Everyone despised what he was doing. Often in my life, I, I, I feel when I work towards who I know that I should be, I feel like I've just laid the first stone in what feels like it's going to be a massive structure. And sometimes that first stone just seems so insignificant. Right, I don't know if you've ever dug a big hole. But if you've ever dug a big hole, there's a moment that you get into about like, for me it happens 15 minutes in because I'm very unfit, right? For some of you it might happen an hour in. But there's a moment that you get to where you feel pretty tired and you look at what you've dug and you go, oh. Especially if you're digging a hole in Island Bay in the clay, right? For me that's like half a day in and I'm like, yeah. And like you put the dirt over there and you look back and you're like... Where's the hole? <laughs> Where have I been digging? I don't, I don't see a change. And sometimes that's us in our life, right? We look at what we've been trying to do. We look at our, our efforts and we go, well, where's it touching down? Where, where's it actually changing anything? What's the point in me exerting all of this effort if it feels like nothing's changing? Right? But, but on the 12th of March, in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius, the temple was completed. See, because here's the thing. Zerubbabel started small. Zerubbabel started with, with something that everyone said, it's, it's too small and you're doing too little and it's never going to change anything. But on the 12th of March, it's so significant that the exact date was recorded in the Bible of the reign of King Darius, the temple was completed. So you don't have to see results overnight. You, you might make mistakes, you might have a bad week, but remember that you are being remade. You are being remade in the image of God. We are free people. The old us is gone. The new us has come. And we are walking into that new us. We co-labor with God. Nothing is impossible for him. You might be broken. You might have little. You might feel like you make mistakes upon mistakes upon mistakes. But God loves small beginnings. We don't have to be the bound us anymore. Two things that you need, just as I finish up. The first thing that you need is an example, right? You, you need someone who has the characters, characteristics that you want to cultivate in yourself. Someone who's a, a few steps ahead. It says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Find someone wise to walk with, to, to meet with, to help you see what you can't, who has learned lessons that you can learn from, right? But don't do it in a token way. Right, mentorship is, is such a buzzword in Christianity. I'm being mentored by this person. What does that mean? It means once a week we meet up for coffee and I let them buy me coffee because they're older than me usually and they've got more money so I get a free coffee and I listen to them telling me what I should do and I nod along and then I leave and I do none of it, right? But I'm being mentored so I can tick that box. And then we look at our life and we're like, huh, what? Oh, it's so strange. I'm being mentored by Pastor Jordan who's an amazing person and yet in my life nothing is changing. Maybe Pastor Jordan's not that great a mentor. <sighs> he, he just needs to try harder at his mentoring, right? I'll have a discussion with him. Jordan, I really think you need to mentor me a little bit more, right? And then I look at my life and I look at his recommendations and I'm like, oh, did I apply that one? No. Did I apply that? Oh, no. 
did I apply? Jordan needs to make better recommendations because I haven't applied any of these, right? And can't be. So you find someone who's a few steps ahead of you and, and let them mentor you, but you need to be open and honest. You need to be accountable. Even when it hurts, especially when it hurts, dig out those things that are buried deep within you and be like, this is super ugly and I've been hiding it for a super long time, but maybe you want to see this and help me do something about it. Because the only way we're going to move forward is if we're open and honest together. Make sure you have a relationship. If you don't have a mentor or someone that you can walk alongside, this church is full of people who want to help you, right? Someone who's just a few steps ahead of you. The next thing that we need is you need a companion, right? Someone to walk with you. Someone who's not necessarily any further ahead than you are, but, but someone to share the struggles and the successes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 10 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. See, we do life together for a reason. We promote things like e-group for a reason, right? It's, it's not just because we're like, ah, oh, if we don't get them along to something church-orientated during the week, maybe they'll forget where we are on Sunday, right? It, it's, it's not a plan to keep you in church. It's not a plan to boost attendance. It does none of those things. It's a plan to make sure that your life is growing, that it's flourishing, that you have people who care about you alongside you who have had the time to get to know you and who have a time in the week that's not in the foyer where you can say, this is falling apart in my life. I need help. People that you can laugh with, people that you can cry with, pe people that are alongside you that you can trust, that you know are for you. Right? Do you have a companion at the moment? Someone who's not going to judge you, who's not going to tell you off, who's just going to say, all right, that's where you are. What are you going to do to move on from there? Someone who you, can, who you can catch up with and say, this is what the person who's mentoring me, this is what my example told me to do. How do I implement this? How do I get down into the nitty gritty? How, how do I actually make it work? See, I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you're not a part of an e-group, that, that's fine. It's your decision. But God has a life for you that, that needs you to have a companion that needs you to have someone walking alongside with you. Because we also need someone to remind us that, that while we want to be the best that we can be, we're not earning God's love, right? Because this whole thing, the, it, it, it's great and it's important. It's, it's great and important to push ourselves towards being the, the us that we know God is calling us to be. But the, the dark other side of it is, is we can oversteer and think that if we don't become who God means us to be, if we don't make progress, that God's going to be disappointed in us and we'll lose his love. That it's conditional, that we're earning it, that, that, that we're working towards it. See, the darkest hour of Romans chapter 5 and, and 7 is Paul despairs of his own limitations. Comes just before the, the beautiful dawn of Romans chapter 8 where he writes, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. See, we want to be the best us that we can be. I want to be the best me that I can be, to be the free Jono and not the bound Jono, not just for me, but for the good of my society, right, to change the world. As I talked about earlier, we have this, this unfair advantage, and here's the thing, we want to be good stewards of our life. 
We want to work towards being the best us that we can be, but we're not earning God's love. We're not condemned. We're free from the power of sin. So today, as as I finish, hopefully you've been able to write down at least one thing, one thing that you want to stop doing in your life. One thing, no matter how big or how small, one thing that you'd like to change. And hopefully you've started to think, who is that, that, that person that causes that thing to happen? Who do I need to stop being? And, and hopefully you've thought about, man, where is my faith at in this? How can I start praying about this? How can I start believing that God is going to join with me in this? That we're going to move forward and, 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 and just start taking small steps not despising the small beginnings, but realizing that God loves them, that He celebrates them, that He, that he joins with you in them. Hopefully you've got an idea of someone who's an example to you. Maybe you're already meeting with them. Maybe after the service, you need to ask them in the foyer, hey, can we catch up during the week? Because I've got some things about me that I want to work on and I think I need your help. And hopefully you've got a companion. Hopefully you're a part of an e-group. And if you're not, I want to encourage you after the service, if you go to the, the tent in the foyer, We've got a bunch of e-groups who are just waiting for you to join. You've got friends you don't know yet. You've got family who haven't had a chance to love you in that way yet. So make sure you join. If you're already in an e-group but you feel like you're not connected, it's all right. You can change e-groups. No one's going to get offended. We're not precious. We're about you. We're about championing you, making sure you connect, that that you feel safe and secure. But this morning as we're all here, I just want you to, to bow your eyes and Close your eyes and bow your heads. That was it. So close. Right, and, and maybe you're here, and, and, and if you're honest, you feel like, like you're just constantly working. That you're consistently just doing work. And, and, and if you're honest, you're doing work to try and earn God's love. Maybe you're here, and you feel like you don't even really have a relationship with God. You feel like God's a, a teacher or a coach. And you're more afraid of Him than you are in love with Him. You're more scared of Him than than you are enamored with Him. See, if you're here this morning and and you feel like that, you feel like like, like you're afraid of God, in a minute I just want to pray with you. But but if you're even one step further from that, if you're here this morning and you feel you just don't know God, somewhere along the way something happened and, and you just feel like God's distant from you, or maybe just somewhere along the way you never even got a chance to meet God. And this God who wants to work with you, this God who can be the, the secret weapon in your life, you, you feel like you, you wouldn't, you just don't know him. Currently, you're God. I want, I want to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer, to invite God into your life, to say, God, I need you. God, I need your love in my life. God, I need your grace in my life. God, I need someone to pray to that's not me to help me to change these things. If, if that's you here this morning and you know that you need to commit your life to God for the first time or, or maybe it's a recommitment, I just want you to raise your hand to let me know that, that you want to pray a prayer with me. So if that's you here this morning and you want to pray that prayer, I just want you to raise your hand now to let me know.